Hello, everyone. How is everybody's Wednesday? How's everyone doing? I hope you're well. I got a lot of really cool questions, but I realized most of the questions were about astrology. And I really want to talk about astrology. I think it's a great topic, but I think I'm going to have to go through it similar to how I went through tarot, but maybe a bit more actionable because astrology is a large weaving process. So I think that's really cool. Let's just start in uh, at the very beginning of astrology or what I see to be the beginning, what I think that you should know about before we, you know, get further and further into the teachings and anything else that anyone wants to ask. I will, I think I'm going to put it up on YouTube because a lot of the other questions I'd like to show you cards or I'd like to um, look into a camera and talk to you. So I think this is how I'm going to split it up. I'm going to keep astrology on the podcast for this season and any other questions or anything I think of that I think you all would really like to know about, I might go ahead and put that up on YouTube. And I'm probably going to put this on up on YouTube as well because I would like to put visuals up for anyone who enjoys visuals, but this is also perfect for anybody who just wants to listen. So Hopefully you all like the direction and let's get started. And a quick reminder for anybody who's just found me, if you are curious about tarot and you'd like to learn uh, how to read tarot, or if you're curious about me as a person, as a psychic, go ahead and go back to the first season and make your way through. I go through all the cards, I talk about my life and... Yeah, it's great for anybody who's starting out with tarot. And also check out my book, How to Read Tarot, Workbook for Beginners. It's out in physical form, in coil-bound and paperback, and it's also out in PDF. I'll have those linked down in the description box below. All right, so let's get on to astrology. Astrology is over 4,000 years old, and it began in ancient Mesopotamia a once-flourishing civilization in the area of modern-day Iraq. Ancient civilizations used the stars for navigation, but they also paid close attention to the stars with the intent to build a body of prophetic knowledge that would guide their community throughout time. The stars were messages from the gods, messages of danger, of blessings, of triumph, and of defeat. These early astrologers would wait until two or more planets lined up together in the night sky. As each planet would align one with the other, the astrologers would record the current events of their community. Was there a famine when Venus aligned with Saturn? Did they win a battle when Mars aligned with Jupiter? Chris Brennan, author of the book Hellenistic Astrology and host of the Astrology Podcast, called these observations little celestial omens. And these little celestial omens would create the bedrock of modern astrology. To truly appreciate this, we need to see the stars from an ancient perspective. The first artifact we've found that represents humans looking up at the sky is called the Nebra Disc, and it's dated 3,600 years old. It's a beautiful bronze disc with gold leaf appliques representing the sun, the moon, and the stars, and a ship, most likely being navigated by the sun and the moon and the stars. We've always been fascinated by the night sky. But in recent history, 
light pollution has blocked out the stars. 150 years ago, the first commercial incandescent light bulb was invented, and the rest is history. Ancient humans have been charting the stars for the past 4,000 years, and in the last 150 years, millions of us can no longer see the stars at all. Let me paint you a picture. Imagine you're living in a city anywhere in the world. You're surrounded by skyscrapers with 24-hour lighting, late-night restaurants or all-night delis, headlights from the cars in the road, street lamps, and so on. In city conditions, you look up at the night sky, and even on a cloudless night, you can only see about 10 to 15 stars. Imagine now that you live in the suburbs, surrounded by homes that turn their lights off around midnight, but street lights remain on and ambient light from homes or driveways are all still on. So in suburban conditions, you have a little better view of the night sky, where you can probably see about 250 stars. So that's a pretty big jump right there from 10 to 15 stars in a highly light-polluted city to 250 in a less populated, lower light polluted suburb. Now imagine you drove out to a government preserved dark skies area, which is an area that restricts light from miles around so that people can see what the sky actually looks like at night. And if you were to observe the sky under these conditions, you jump up from the suburban conditions of 250 visible stars to 2,500 and upward of 5,000 visible stars and a clear view of the Milky Way. Now, what's really going to blow your mind is that the Milky Way and all of those stars are visible from anywhere in the world. If we shut off all the lights in New York City and the surrounding areas for miles, we would look up and see the Milky Way. It doesn't matter where you're standing. When night falls, there's the Milky Way. Gives you some perspective as to why so many cultures create myths from similar themes. Because we're all looking up at the same brilliant night sky. So appreciate that for a second. Up until about 150 years ago, as long as you were walking away from torchlight, everyone could look up and see the night sky in all its glory. Now let's look at some other astronomical occurrences that I think we take for granted that were the beginning information of astrology and astronomy, the most obvious being the shift from day to night, which is termed diurnal rotation, the 24-hour rotation of the Earth on its axis, which creates the illusion that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. The sun illuminates the sky during the day, allowing only the moon to be visible, And then the sun's absence brings forth a brilliant starry night. This happens every day for all of us. We also all experience seasons. For instance, if you live in the northern hemisphere, you'll most likely experience the seasons changing from cold and barren to warm and lush. Like right now, I'm in Brooklyn, New York, and it looks and feels like fall. So it's a little colder, the leaves are changing, and I know winter's on its way. Most of the Southern Hemisphere experiences their seasons based on dry and wet weather. If I was in Australia, I'd be preparing for the tropical wet season when the temperature rises and so does the humidity. This is all due to the Earth's tilt 
and where Earth is in its orbit around the sun. So we all experience night and day. We all experience the seasons. We all see the lunation cycle of the moon moving from new to full, back to new every 28 to 29 days. And these are just some of these astronomical events. We experience so many things together. And on top of these changes and movements, we're all subjected to. We also know that each change is predictable. We know the order of our seasons as they inevitably shift from winter to spring to summer to fall back to winter. The moon will wax and wane over the course of 28 days that will not change. The night will turn into day. And if you want to look at it astronomically or astrologically in terms of the planets, you could say something like Jupiter will take 12 years to orbit the sun. That is just a fact. That is how fast it goes around the sun. The only constant is change, but all these changes show a renewal process rather than a descent into chaos, right? They don't all of a sudden change up what they're going to do and then we're all kind of barreling in space not knowing what's going to happen next no matter what things are changing but we can predict that change this is the fascination our ancestors had with the world around them it's not primitive ideology it's engaging with reality to the fullest I feel like this is a good place to pause for now. So take a look at my bio section to look into the history of light pollution and global dark skies if you ever want to check out the starry nights near you. And next week, I'm going to go over a quick history of astrology, how it got from little celestial omens to Western Hellenistic astrology. Please feel free to follow my social accounts. I just started an account dedicated to meditation, and I'll be creating another account for divination and magic and astrology, and I'm, I can't wait to start those. Those are going to be so much fun. And if you want to learn about tarot, again, make sure just to go back to the first season, or you can check out my book in the bio section below. And if you'd like three of my favorite tarot spreads, sign up to my newsletter in the bio section, and uh, you'll get a downloadable PDF version of those. So thank you so much again, and I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. Blessed be.